This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 539, Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is December 15th, 2023, and I've got a special guest, Jim Callis. MLB prospect, uh, guru, expert, whatever you want to call him, does work with MLB Network and MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. Jim, he's been on the show before. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Glad to be here, Ben. I always like talking Padres with you. Yeah, so let's first get started, I think, with what everyone wants to know first with the return for the Juan Soto deal. Obviously, the Padres, they get back. Kyle Gashioka, they get back Drew Thorpe, they get back Michael King, Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito. I think some fans are unfamiliar with someone like Drew Thorpe. Um, so could we start there? I mean, we, you can talk about Michael King, but I know you're big on the prospect side of things. So with Drew Thorpe, is that someone that could be a top of the rotation guy? Is that mid-rotation 2024? Is he a, you, do you think that he would be up in 2024? A.J. Preller did tell the media that, he thinks that Drew Thorpe could be a possibility for 2024. I'm interested in seeing when he does come up. Yeah, well, you know, Thorpe had a tremendous pro debut this year for the Yankees. He was 2022 draft pick. I want to say second rounder, if I remember right. Um, and he made his debut this year. He led the minors in strikeouts. He led the minors, I think, in strikeout minus walk percentage, or he was right up there. Got up to double A. Had a little bit of a shoulder issue at the end of the season, but he was our, our MLB pipeline pitching prospect of the year, which is you know based largely on performance. Um, yeah, I think he could be up this year. He's I don't think he's a top of the rotation guy, Ben. I think he's more of a guy you're looking for the middle of the rotation. His best pitch is a changeup. I'd say his second best attribute is probably his ability to command his pitches. And he's got his fastballs, you know, average-ish, but he locates it really well, and his slider's fine. Um, but I think he's more he's more going to impress you with his floor than his ceiling. So I feel like he's a good bet to fit into like a number three or four slot more so than you're going to have him as a number one or number two. And if the shoulder's fine, um, yes, I do think he could be in the big leagues this year. I don't I don't really think there's much he's working on. Um, I mean, command's usually the final piece, and he has command. I don't think he's going to you know gain two or three miles an hour of loss or anything like that. I think he's pretty much fully formed and what he is is what he is. And it was really effective in the minors. So I think if he's healthy, you will see him up in 2024. What is the concern there with the shoulder? So it's just been an injury history. No, he, he had something, I want to say it was a subluxation, which I think is like a 
it was just like something was not right with the shoulder. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. So I'll let everybody look up. Subluxation. Pottery fans are familiar with subluxations with Tatis. Well, there you go. So I, I think he had a, he, and I, I don't think it was a big deal, but it was right at the end of the season. So, you know, you'd like to see him, you know, pitching in spring training and all that. And, and I haven't heard any reason that he, that he won't be, but I, it, I think it's more my understanding, not to alarm Padres fans is that it was a very minor concern and the Yankees were just being cautious. He had pitched a lot of innings anyway. And so they shut him down. I, I don't think it's supposed to be a long-term concern. And obviously, when you're making a trade of this magnitude or really any magnitude, you're doing medical. So the Padres are obviously comfortable with whatever they saw. What do you know about Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito? I know, I think it was, was it Brito? He was like number 13 in the Yankees farm system. Are they, so they're more reliever types, right? But not high leverage spots right now? Yeah, I mean, I think Brito could maybe be that number five. I mean, he throws strikes. It's kind of, you know, it, it, it's it's good stuff. It's, I mean, Randy Vasquez has better stuff. He doesn't control it as well. I mean, Randy Vasquez has a pretty nasty breaking ball when it's on. I don't think he's got the feel that Johnny Brito has. Um, they both were used as starters and relievers by the Yankees. Um, you know, I, I could see if Vasquez throws more strikes, he could be pretty interesting either as a higher leverage reliever or, I, you know, I think he'd be more efficient, he could be a starter. It would not shock me to – necessarily see Johnny Brito and or Vasquez open the season in our rotation. I, I'll admit we just got done with our draft top 100, Ben, and I did not have the, the Padres roster committed to memory. But you know, given their need for pitching, uh, you know, I could see one or both of them in the rotation to begin the year. I, I do think long-term Vasquez is probably more of a reliever, but I do think he has a higher ceiling than Johnny Brito. Brito might be able to, to cut it as a starter more easily today because he throws more strikes. Okay. Yeah, and my bad. It was not Brito. It was Vasquez. Vasquez right now in the Padres system, he is ranked fifteenth. Um, and Brito so, graduated. I think. I think yeah. Brito, Brito pitched too many innings in the big leagues, so that's why I. Don't, I do our Yankees list. I don't do our Padres list. That's why Brito's not on the not on the Padres list. Yeah. So the top pitching. But then you know, right now, on the other two guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, and just touch on the other two guys. I mean. I do think Michael King was one of the more coveted sleeper starters on the trade market. Like he's got really good characteristics, had a really nice year for the Yankees last year, you know, made nine starts after pitching in relief for much of the year, but I know a number of teams that want him as a starter. So there was a lot of demand for him and the Higashioka, you know, he's not going to give you much with the, the bat, but he's kind of that classic defensive minded backup catcher and he's a good defender. So, I mean, that'll be his role, but, you know, we had heard that, you know, the, the I mean, everybody knew what the Pottery situation was. Payroll was kind of maxed out. They really needed pitching. They didn't have any payroll flexibility to go get it. Um, and, you know, this was a trade where, you know, realistically, you probably got two starters, two guys who can be starter middle relievers, all whom can contribute in 2024. I mean, three of them are already pitched in the big leagues already. Um, and then Higashioka fills your backup catcher role. So um, I don't I don't think anybody was really surprised that Lonzo had went to the Yankees because the Yankees have really good pitching depth in their system. I think they're one of the teams that does one of the best jobs in baseball year in and year out of, of developing pitching. And it's not just, hey, we're taking a guy at the top of the draft and he's good. I mean, you know, they're getting fifth, sixth, eighth rounders 
and making them into, you know, they're helping the guys get better and turning them into pitching prospects. You guys like Chase Hampton is still in their system. Guys like Ken Waldachek, Hayden Wisniewski, who they traded. I think I'm forgetting. Will Warren, who's still in their system. I mean, these are all guys they got like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round who wound up becoming really good prospects. Like, uh, I think all those guys, except for Chase, no, Chase Hampton, I think is on the top 100 too. Those, those guys all, except for Will Warren at this point, I think have become top 100 prospects. So um, if you're looking for pitching, you know, and you're looking for somebody who could take on what Juan Soto is going to make an arbitration. And if you're looking for a team that would maybe think, hey, we could potentially sign Juan Soto long-term, you know, maybe after he hits free agency, maybe before, the Yankees were kind of an ideal trade partner for the Padres, I think. Yeah, so you think this was the best package that the Padres were going to be able to get back? I mean, maybe the Blue Jays would have got desperate after they weren't able to get Shohei Otani, but maybe they wouldn't have been able or maybe they wouldn't have wanted to give up someone like Ricky Tideman to the Padres, where the Padres could get Drew Thorpe because the Yankees say, okay, well, we have Chase Hampton. We can take on the money. We want Soto long-term. Maybe we go get more starting pitching. So, yeah, we'll give you Michael King as well. Where the Blue Jays, maybe they wouldn't have wanted to give up top pitching prospect and someone like Alec Manoa, who is under control, and they might still believe it. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, even if if you're the Potters and you trade for Alec Manoa, what are you getting? Like, yeah. you don't know. Like, he might be good, but you're rolling the dice there. You might be getting nothing. Um, yeah, I, my guess is this probably was the best trade that they could pull off because, again, I do think the Yankees have more pitching depth. I do think the Yankees also have the wherewithal to go out. And, and you know, maybe they'll get Yamamoto and they'll, he'll go into the rotation. Like, uh, you know, the, the Yankees have the financial wherewithal to, to go make other moves too. So I mean, I think, yes. I mean, because of like, there was a limited number of teams that were going to want to pay Juan Soto, which is foolish to me, but a limited number of teams that wanted to pay him what he's worth in arbitration or what he's going to get in arbitration. And, and I mean, again, he's very talented. I would pay that um, and had the pitching depth could afford to give up the pitching depth. Like the Yankees. I, I, I feel like, I think it was Ben on, on your podcast. It was after one set of trade. At one point I was talking about how it's got to be great to be a Potters fan because when AJ Preller's your GM, you got to feel like you're in play for anybody who's on the trade market. Like AJ, yeah. AJ's attitude is, and the Potters have this attitude, there's another national class coming. There's another draft coming. We'll get more prospects. We'll develop more prospects. So we'll give up what we have to get the best players that we want to get. Um, and I feel – I, they might be oversimplifying a little bit, but I feel like in the same way, kind of like the Yankees are like, yeah, pitching's hard to come by, but we're able to find it. I, I think they do a great job of identifying characteristics that lead to success, that they know these are characteristics that these fit the profile of guys we've made better in the past and we could do this again. And I just feel like it's kind of the same attitude, like from the Yankees. It's like, yeah, we'll go ahead and trade. I mean, if everything worked out for the best, and it probably won't because they're all pitchers. The Potters theoretically could have gotten four starting pitchers in this deal. I mean, that's probably not realistic, but they probably could have right. gotten four starting pitchers in this deal if it all pans out. And the Yankees' attitude is like, well, we'll have we have more starting pitching prospects, and we can go find more this year. Um, so I think that's kind of where that came from. Um, and I do think, also, I mean, everybody knows. I, I don't think AJ really sleeps, and I think he's like twenty four seven, three sixty five, working on trades. So I feel like. If I were a Potters fan, I'd feel comforted that, like, yeah, this is probably the best package I could have gotten. Because if it wasn't, AJ would have found that package and gotten it. Like, I, I, I imagine he left no stone unturned trying to find out how interested the 29 other teams were in one set. Yeah. yeah. 
By the way, I was just before you. Uh, I think you had another point. I went through. I was going to go through the pitching prospects, and so Snelling, Lesko, Thorpe, Ariarte, Mazer, and then let's see, and then Vasquez. So that's where Vasquez is in terms of rankings and you know the Padres pitching uh, according here to MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. Um, I wanted to hit on Jacob Marcy here because and. There's more guys other than just Marcy, but Marcy, MVP of the Arizona Fall League, 841 OPS, I believe, this past year in the minor leagues. What should fans know about him? Like more because fans on social media, I'm seeing fans talking about Marcy. Maybe some don't really know who he is. And is this guy that is someone that is actually like a real option to start 2024 in center field on opening day with? the Padres situation that they're in. They don't have a center fielder right now. Tatis isn't right. Maybe they go get an outfielder. They probably want a couple. But what if they can't get someone like a Kevin Kiermeyer or a Harrison Bader or Michael A. Taylor? Where are they going to go there center field-wise? Is that where – is it realistic to see Marcy there? I don't think I don't think it's realistic. I mean, if I remember correctly, and I want to find a lot about him in the fall league, I don't really think he's played above double-A. You know, he played, no, he's played like he played 16, 16 games. games yeah. And he was great in the Fall League. And, and I was really impressed with him in the Fall League. You know, the one caveat I would throw out there is Fall League is an extremely – it's an extreme hitters league. The, the, the just Teams don't send pitchers who are healthy during the season to the Fall League. So the hitting prospects are always way ahead of the pitching prospects. I felt like this year's – I love the Fall League. And, and I'll even put in a plug. I think anybody who loves spring training would love the fall league because it's all the best parts of spring training um, without the worst parts. The, the ticket prices are a lot cheaper. Parking's easy. You get better access to players. You're seeing all prospects on the field. Love the fall league. Like, like I cannot emphasize how much fun. The College World Series of the fall league are my two favorite parts of the baseball calendar every year. That said, I thought the pitching in the fall league this year was the worst I'd ever seen. Um, and so you can't just look. And it's not ever been really been great in the past. You see, you can't really look at, at guys' numbers and be like, oh, man, he tore it up, so he's ready to go. Um, you know, he's barely played in double A. Um, so, no, I, I think that would be really unrealistic to put Jacob Marcy in the big leagues right now. Now, I, I will say, going into the fall league, and, again, it, it's hard a little bit because you have to realize you're seeing guys in a, in a situation that, that favors hitters. But – he pretty much hit from day one through game 30 in the fall league. He hit the entire year. And I'll admit, I thought coming into the year um, or coming into the fall league, I, I, I thought it was more of a fourth outfielder profile. And now I think he could be a regular. Um, he does a lot of things well. Like he can really hit, control the strike zone. I don't think power is really – his power is probably his weakest tool, though he drove the ball well in the fall league, whatever that's worth. Runs well, good instincts on the bases in the outfield. He still might be on a really good team, like a contender. He might be more of a fourth outfielder than a regular. But I just want—I I just want to see him do a little bit more in the minor leagues before I'll—I'll I'll, I'll be that. Like I think he can be a solid regular. But he—he um, he was impressive. But no, I mean, I—I I honestly, I'm not in charge of Potters. I, I, I would think the natural place to send him would be double A because he's barely played there. He's one year out of the draft, one full season out of the draft. So I think he starts the year in double A, um, you know, maybe triple A if they want to be really aggressive. But I, as much as I like Jacob Marcy and I was impressed with him in the fall league, I would be absolutely floored if he was the Padres starter on opening day. 
So what's like the red flag there? Like what what does he need to do more in the minor leagues? Is it just more time and make sure yeah. that he's ready? Or is it something like, oh, he needs to improve offensively, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think he just needs more time. I mean, he's had 550 at-bats in the minors. He's had like 50 of those in double A. So he like he hasn't faced anywhere near major league caliber pitching. Like I, I think I think it's yeah. more keep doing what you're doing, but he needs experience against quality pitching and he just doesn't have it right now. Um like I, if you put him in big leagues, I think he'd be way in over his head. And I think even triple A, even though you know PCL is a great place to hit, I, I would let him go to double A. And if he tears it up for, for six weeks, fine, then I promote him to triple A. But like I would not rush him based on the fall league. Like before the fall league, I don't think anybody was talking about Jacob Marcy, you know, being on the fast track or being one of the Padres, like really top, top prospects. Mm. And he was impressive in the fall league, but the fall league is basically set up for hitters to succeed, which he did. Um, and I just, I think he needs to face better quality pitching. So, yeah, it's one of those situations where we're talking about Marcy because there's no options in center field. I you think can that's find somebody. It, that's, yeah, they'll, they'll be know. somebody. I'm just talking about like right yeah. now on in the Padres, like Jose Azokar, you're not putting him there every day. So we're just looking at, oh, prospect, Arizona Fall League, really good. Oh, okay, so maybe he can be an option. If we had Trent Grisham still on the roster, we wouldn't be, I don't think, having this conversation. That, that's all. Would, that's, well, that, could Tatis play center field? He could, but he's most comfortable now in right field. He yeah. wanted to play center field, but he wants to play right field. It's big at Petco. Just want a platinum glove there. I think yep. it's just best to just stick him there, have him stay there, get power hopefully in left field, and then in center field, bring in someone. Don't know if you're going to get much offensively from that position, but just bring in someone that can be maybe a stopgap, a, a one-year guy, and hopefully other guys on the offense can perform better up to their potential. And the center field hitting at the bottom of the order, whoever that's going to be, won't be that big of a deal. Just like last year, if Trent Grisham was hitting like that, I'm not saying under 200 is acceptable, but if he was hitting a little bit better than that, everyone else was performing like they should have, Grisham wouldn't have been, I don't think, as big of a deal because he brings it defensively. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there in center field. I did want to ask um, about some of the other top prospects who might be impactful to this Padres team in 2024. I think that Snelling's more 2025. Um, what about someone like Iriarte, Mazer? Is that more second half of 2024, you think, maybe pitching-wise? Yeah, I do. I mean, I will say with Snelling, I mean, he's he's young and he's barely pitching double-A. I think it's, what, four starts? I will say with pitchers, I, I do think it's a little bit different. Like, stuff, stuff, and ability to command it, his ability to command it. And if he's ready, I think it's easier to jump pitchers up. And, I mean, his numbers were as good as just about anybody's in the minor leagues last year. Um, if he continues to perform like that, I do think we could see Robbie Snelling this year. I do think he's that good. I wouldn't rush him, but if he continues to dominate, like it, like, like kind of like different because he's a lot younger than, me, than Marcy. But, like, if, we, if you send him to double-A, which is where, I mean, I'm sure he's going to start here in double-A, and he pitches great for the first two months of the season, then I think you send him to triple-A, and if he pitches well there – Okay, call him up. But yeah, I agree. I think Ariarty's a guy who could come up at some point this year. He needs to throw more strikes before he's ready. Um, you know, Mazer, you know, Mazer might be the best bet of any of those guys, those three guys, just because I think he's got the best combination of stuff and performance. 
and and polish. Um, so I can see Mazer maybe being a little bit more likely than Ariarty. Um, but again, like, like you said, Ben, I think it's more into the season, second half than 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 early. We're gonna call those guys up real quick. What about someone like Graham Pauly? Uh Pauly was on the show earlier this year with me, and I was impressed by some of the things that he was saying and the progression that I've seen from him. I don't know if he's ready opening day, but I think that that's another question that comes up. Some Padres fans on social media, oh, Graham Pauly, because Manny Machado might start the season um, as the DH, coming off of the injury, coming off the surgery. If Hassan Kim is moved, then maybe third base opens up there. I think that's more of another thing, kind of like Marcy, like, oh, well, we, maybe we don't have as good of a, a backup plan there. Maybe we don't want to see Eggy Rosario play third base or something like that. And if Kim is dealt or he's playing another position, then go to Pauly. I don't know if Pauly is ready. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, I'd, I'd put that in the same boat as Marcy. He had a, he had a good okay. fall league, not not a great fall league like Marcy did, but he, he was impressive in the fall league. He's played 20 games in double A. He's kind of aggressive at the plate. And I think it's the same thing. I, I think you'd be – he just hasn't seen enough good pitching. So I think he'd be in over his head. I think he's a legit prospect whose profile got raised. Another 2022 draftee like Marcy, who's not an early pick, who's a lot better than people realize. Um, defensively, I don't think he's a great third baseman. So I don't – that, that to me is the biggest question after watching Graham Pauly play in the fall league. I do think he's a big leaguer. I don't know that I think he's an everyday big leaguer yet because I don't know where he fits defensively. I, I, I don't think he's a great third baseman baseman i don't think he's really quick enough for second base um i do think there's some offensive potential there but i don't know where you play him and so i i think that would be i think he's less equipped than than marcy to make that jump to the big leagues right now he's not as disciplined to plate he's not as versatile defensively um and i think the position like you're saying if they had to play him at third i think he'd really struggle at third with the speed of the game big league level so um, no, I think he's more – I'd file both those guys under good prospects who raised their profile in 2022 – I mean, in 2023. And, yeah, you know, needs more time to develop, but, you know, promising guys, but not – certainly not big league ready, I don't think. And what are we looking at with Jackson Merrill? A lot of time at spring training last year, and there were some definitely impressive moments that I saw from Jackson Merrill. Um, opening day, that seems like another stretch, and also – because of just guys that are in the middle infield right now, maybe if some spots open up, but I just don't see why rush him. When he comes up, I think this is someone that you need to be playing every day. You're not just going to bring him up to sit on the bench and play once, twice a week. So is he someone that you think maybe starts the year in AAA and then you know earns his spot there on the roster? Or is that a Tati situation where Merrill can sh you know really show out and impress Preller and somehow make it that early in the season. I mean, I do think Jackson's talented enough that um, that he could, you know, revise his timetable. I, I, I do think that's legit. Um, but I do think, like you noted, I mean, he's played, you know, what I think forty-five games in Double A. He's he'll be twenty-one early in the season. Um, I, I think it would be more natural for him to spend most of the year in the minors and you know and again if he tears it up maybe he revises his timetable but yeah he's but he's interesting i mean he's one of the 
better prospects in baseball. He's one of the better offensive prospects in baseball. And then we may just look up <laughs> in, I don't know, May 10th and say, man, he's crushing it. He's ready. Let's call him up. Um, it's possible that, you know, depending on how long Machado's out, like, like Merrill might fit better at second or third than short anyway. I mean, you'd still have to find room for him, but, and, and I wouldn't want to change his position on the fly in the big leagues, but I, I, I could see, I could see his talent is such that just, just guys who can hit like that, they tell you when they're ready. Like you could put an ETA on them, but at some point Jackson Merrill is just going to be ripping the cover off the ball and the Pirates would be like, well, we have to call him up. Like, like this is earlier than maybe when we thought, but, but he, he's earned it. So um, yeah, I, I, I do think, He's he's one of those guys who he I think he will tell the Padres when he's ready. And at that point, they will make room for him. Okay, Ethan Salas, obviously, I think a lot of Padres fans want to know as much as they can about him and get as many updates as they can about him. Last year, I believe, ended the year with a knee injury, was in double A a little bit. Seemed to me like that was too fast. But, you know, A.J. Preller is known to challenge prospects. And that's I believe that's how he has phrased it in the past is this a situation with salas where he's definitely double a this next year and then maybe he spends multiple seasons in double a and then they go triple a or because i'm I'm seeing some things where maybe he could be ready by 2025 beginning of 2025 um what what how old would he be then like 19 he'd be r- really young there and Luis Camposano, yeah. yeah and luis Camposano. The Padres are giving him a shot to be the starting catcher now. And so if he can, you know, continue to progress offensively, because I saw good signs from him this past year, progress offensively, be the catcher for a couple of years, give a little bit more time for Salas before he's ready. Yeah, it, look, I mean, Ethan Salas is an incredible prospect. He's number five in our top 100. He got to double A at age 17, which is unheard of for a catcher. I'm kind of with you. I don't really know what the need was to promote him to double A after he played nine games in high A. Um, if it were me again, I'm not running the Padres. Like, like he's super talented. I mean, we could be talking about, you know, like 280, 300 hitter, 25 home runs, very good defender behind the plate, athletic for a catcher. Why do we need to rush this guy? Like we already know he's advanced. He handled low A fine to me. The obvious move would be put him in high A this year. Like, and even like, like having him up at some point in 2025, he won't turn 19 till June in 2025. I just don't know. Like, like I have no, like I do agree. He's, he's immensely talented, but it's not, it's not like, like if you put his performance in context to how old he was and where he was, he performed really well. But mm-hmm. if we just look at his raw numbers, he, he hit 248, he had an ops 752, he struck out in doing some quick math here um, about 30% of his plate appearances or 28% of his plate appearances. Why are, why are we rushing this guy? Why do we need to do that? Like, like to me, I, I would have him in high A this year. And that's still high A when you're beginning the season at age 17. That's a pretty good challenge. Like if you want to put him back in, in low A this year, because again, he's going to be 17 the first two months of the season. I think it would be fine. I don't – I think he's a wonderful prospect. Everybody raves about the guy, and I think rightfully so. I don't see why – I don't even see, honestly see why does he need to play in double-A this year. He's going to be 17 and 18 
2024. Why does he have to play in double A? Um, so, yeah, I, I hope they slow it down and let him catch his breath and, and show us what he can do. Because, I mean, look, what he did, I mean, he held his own, and that was great. I mean, like, not many 16-, 17-year-olds can do that. But at the same time, like, why are we doing this? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see the need for that. Do you think A.J. Preller is in a spot right now where he may feel pressure to win right now because Peter Seidler is not the chairman of the Padres? Pressure to win maybe deal prospects that he doesn't want to deal to get back some frontline starting pitching here. Uh, because on the free agent market, I mean, Michael Walker just signed with the Kansas City Royals. Tyler Malley signed. Jack Flaherty just signed with the Tigers for, I think, $14 million on a one-year deal after having a lesser year than Michael Walker. Nick Martinez is gone. There's a lot of guys that are coming off the board here. There's still plenty of options, but AJ's going to have to spend in free agency on really any starting pitching, even if the guy's not coming off the, the best of his seasons. So do you think a trade here for, for uh, one of the bigger guys um, is something that A.J. Preller is leaning towards because of the urgency to win here? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the way I'd look at it, like I was saying before, I mean, A.J. never stops working regardless of pressure, perceived pressure, if he's – you know, the hot seat, cold seat, whatever it is. I just think the guy never stops working. And then and if you ask, Ben, if you ask if the question is, can A.J. Preller make a trade? The answer is like, yeah, he could be making one while we're recording this podcast right now. Because um, the guy just doesn't stop. And like I said, I mean, I think their attitude is, you know, there's an international period coming up in a month. There's another draft coming up in the middle of next year. We'll get more prospects there. And yeah. if he sees a deal that he thinks he can make that makes a lot of sense, like, I think they do it. Like, I, you know, we'll see. Like, Dylan C seems like he's going to get traded by the White Sox. And there's, if I believe, two years of control and he's not overly expensive. And, you know, for the Padres, he'd be perfect in the sense that he'd take off starting job. He's a potential frontline starter when he's on. And he's not going to cost an arm and a leg this year. So he'd be a perfect Padres, tar- tar- uh, can't speak, Padres target. And yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see AJ making a trade for anybody who's on the market because I just think that's the way he works. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think, and you weren't asking me this specifically. I don't think, I can't imagine that they'd trade Ethan Salas, but any trade they made would almost wouldn't surprise me just because I think AJ is always thinking about a move and then another possible move and another possible move and like it never stops. So yeah, I, I think he could make a trade for he Dylan. C- trade for a start. Yeah. For Dylan cease, let's say, okay. So what would that include then? I think the white Sox would want someone like Jackson Merrill. Um, and I know that's, that's a big ask already right there, but it is multiple years of control for Dylan cease. And I think the white Sox know that they have the best, starter out there i mean corbin burns is the best starter but in terms of talent and how long that person is under control burns is only one year and dylan cease is a couple years here so does that ask start with jackson merrill well i mean if i'm the white Sox, i certainly am asking for jackson merrill i mean i'm going to ask for ethan salas off top probably not going to get him but yeah. yeah i mean it's always hard to say how trades are going to come together because you know like you said like like i don't know how we'd characterize like how desperate are the padres how desperate is aj preller um 
desperate know, I mean, enough? Is he desperate enough to give up someone like Dylan Lusco? That feels like that's too well, much. Well, I see. I was gonna say like that seems to one like where you know, Dylan, you know, has come back from the Tommy John surgery and he came back and pitched last year. Like, like that. Too, like I'll put it this way: if I'm the Padres, that's the bare that's the bare minimum. Like I'm getting, I'm I'm getting. Like we're not going lower than than Dylan Lesko on the not the teams are are trading off of our our um our our pod our prospect list, but I'm not taking less than than Dylan Cease off that prospect list. I was just I was trying to pop up. I don't know if you ever played with the uh, the baseball trade values yeah. simulator, which is always interesting, and so. You know, Dylan Cease is is valued at at forty point four, I think, million dollars, and and it just have you ever played with this, Ben? The baseball trade value I have. site, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, Ethan Salas is sixty four million, Jackson Merrill is fifty eight million, but Dylan Lisco is thirty million, Robbie Snelling's twenty three. Like, I would probably be. I was just trying to get ideas. It's always. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What is Cease? Cease is forty million. Okay. Um. So like, I think you're probably. Like, like I don't think you're getting Salas from Merrill, but okay, if I if I'm the White Sox, I, I'm interested in I want Snelling or Lesko, I want Zavala, I want probably one of Iriarty or Mazer, and then I'm probably trying to sneak a bat out of you know somebody who who's in the you know Dylan like you're probably not getting Dylan Head who was just first round pick, but like that Brandon Valenzuela, Marcy, Pauly, Nathan Martarella range. That's probably what I'm looking to get. Um, now, you know, that might be considered too big an ask, but you don't know. Like if I'm if I'm the Padres and I feel like I've got to win now, maybe I would give up, you know, like a Lesko and a Zavala and a and you know, some kind of third or fourth prospect. And they could maybe they would say, Hey, we can live with it because Lesko and Zavala, they're not right on the doorstep of reaching the big leagues. And Musgrove, Manny. Tatis, Bogarts, they're not getting any younger. This is like our window here right now with these big major league guys we have. It's interesting um, because, yeah, AJ, he might seem like, he, he might think, hey, I'm good. But, I mean, Padres fans, we saw this like three-year window with Soto. Now don't have Soto, but you're looking at teams around the Padres and the National League West and the National League just in general, and that those teams just keep getting better. You can't just keep pushing this window back. You know, 2023, they went all in. But I think Padres fans, we weren't expecting this team to just go all in for 2023. We were expecting it to be at least a few years here. So, yeah, I mean, AJ, like you said, he doesn't go to sleep. This guy looks at every different avenue. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if they're going to land Dylan Cease. There's other teams that are definitely going to be interested in Dylan Cease. The question is, what is A.J. Preller willing to give up? Is he willing to give up Lesko or Snelling? Is he willing yeah, to give up a like, couple more of those guys? I, I just ran this through the baseball trade value simulator. I, I did Lesko, Zavala, Adam Mazur, and Jacob Marcy. Um, and it has that as a as a slight, like a minor overpay is how they characterize it for the Padres. But if the Potters are looking to win and they need pitching and cease fits what they can do, like high probability it would be accepted if each team's needs are met. So I, I think 
that might, I mean, again, we're just playing with baseball trade values, so, yeah. which is, which is fun. But like, I think it's probably, you know, somewhere along those lines, if, if you're looking to make a trade for Dylan Cease, like I'm not, I'm not trading Dylan Cease if I'm the White Sox for Samuel Zavala and a Jairo Iriarte headlining the package. It's got to be right. somebody better than that. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like with the Soto deal with the Yankees. They didn't want to give up King. They didn't want to give up Thorpe, but eventually they had to knowing, Hey, it's we Juan Soto. Get, we can get Juan Soto. Let's yeah. get Juan Soto. And so the Padres could say that about Dylan C. So we shall see Jim Callis. Thank you so much for the time. You can check out him on social media. Obviously does work with MLB network and he's just finishing uh, the draft stuff. So that's going to be interesting coming up next summer. The Padres, obviously they got their draft slot pushed back because of how much money that they spent this past year. Um, I, I thought that maybe they'd get up there because they did have a chance, I believe, in the draft lottery, although it was very small. Yeah. Um, but they did not. So we'll see who AJ Preller gets there at the end of round one coming up next summer. But yeah, Jim, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. This has been episode 539, Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Main partner of the show, Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Check them out. Their main location is on Friars Road. That's going to be it for today's show, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. See ya.